Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. This is Trav. And this is Jonathan. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast of getting together with your friends and not saving the world, but maybe making, you know, uh, getting rid of that really, you know, bad person who, who, who runs the pawn shop down the street. Just run around being your friendly neighborhood beetle man. JJ, don't let him hear you say that. Not without pictures, right? Gotta have the pictures. Right. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier. This week we are talking about street-level superheroes and, uh, you know, what that means, uh, what kind of campaigns, you know, would be fun to run with them, and what are the, uh, the, the, the yeses and nos for that sort of thing. If you start talking about groups of powers like these higher level characters, then I have a, a particular character I used in a Game World game that I have. I definitely have a, a lot of favorites for. But uh, yeah, I've created lots and lots of. Uh, I, we ran a here. We ran a four color um, a superhero ca- campaign using the um, uh, uh, using the, the champion rules and such. Yeah, and I literally made like dozens and dozens of. of of characters with all kinds of different abilities and such. So, yeah, I mean, after initially the very first time I made one, of course, I, I was like, I don't want to get hurt. So I made a character with you know, force fields and, and one blast, you know, like I said, the twofer, you know, yeah. but you get a little, when you get a little bit more time to think about how you want your character to help other characters, you know, to work with other team members, but at the same time be tough and be able to do cool stuff on their own. That was, I would say Spaghetti Man was, was in my eyes, probably the best synergy of, of a single type of power. You know, okay. we, we kind of put it all under uh, what they call an elemental power where they were elemental all control. Yep. I yeah. remember that. Well, they, yeah. they were basically, all, it wasn't like a multi-power where there, you have like all kinds of different powers using the same power source. Okay. They were all variations off of the same root thing, which oh, was, yeah. it was, I remember fact, yeah. it was a, a big, usually a, a humongous strands of spaghetti that could mutate and do stuff. So yeah, that was, I can see that. the champion sheet in my mind and in Bruce's handwriting. Elemental control, spaghetti, bodily manipulation of spaghetti powers. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, I, I cut my teeth on champions back about 35, well, 40 years ago. So, yeah. I yeah, a lot, a lot of yeah, that. I mean, yeah. Back in the beginning, there were only two. There was champions and, and there was uh, villains and vigilantes. Yep. I did a little so, bit of time with that, too. Yeah, so yeah, I remember that right. one. Yep. So anyway, so that would be the power I would go for. Some kind of a, um, you know, no normal defense type power. Ah, yes. You know, where you, you basically, you know, it, it, it would work against, you know, it, 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 a force would work against it. But, I mean, it basically ignores <sighs> things like armor because, you know, if I, if I can tie you up, it doesn't matter how, you know, wh- whether or not I hurt you. Yeah. 
as long as you can't rip free from from me, then um, you know, the, you know, if, if you're, if, you know, if if by using your power to pull free, you break your own arm because I've got it wrapped up behind your back, then you know that's all. That's just I I, I call that winning. Yeah, that's that's uh, as, as Spock said, sauce for the goose. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. And and uh, and I've used that in D, in in, in uh, Bureau Thirteen for a number of super powered characters that were that were uh, physically invincible. They were they they could not be harmed, you know. And I said, it, if they have if they don't have more than normal human strength, you know, you can still defeat them. You just have to understand what their limitations are and use that against them instead of go- going head to head with the one thing they do well, which is to ignore your attacks. Yeah. You know, you're damaging attacks because they were like, yeah. ho- you know, six guys hosing with machine guns at this one character. And, and, and yeah, it says, okay, so you've knocked her across the room and she gets back up and she's really mad at you. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> that many bullets hitting you is going to have some kinetic transfers. So, yep. yeah. <sighs> I believe Anyways, you know, so, yeah. I said, she's going to keep getting up. You're going to run out of bullets. Yep. So. All right. So, that, uh, but yeah. So, by so the idea was is by choosing one ability you had to you know you, you had to think of an ability that would allow you to you know to do more with it than just one thing you know and and that was you know because you know arguably I mean Luke Cage is great but he only does one thing he's just super strong right yeah so and um, you know. Uh, and, and some of these, and in uh, some of these low-level ones, like I said, in, in the defenders, they really, you know, they are they are weak in the sense that if they don't maximize with the other characters, their abilities are, are essentially can be relatively neut- easily neutralized. You just have the right opponent go against that particular superhero. So you know. And uh, that was the thing they did a lot in the X-Men also is that, you know, the, the, the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants would come up against them and they would like line up against them like, you know, some kind of a scrimmage, you know, yeah. and, and, and with the idea that this guy could take out Wolverine and this guy, you know, because usually it's Wolverine versus Sabretooth, which are essentially brothers yeah, <laughs> with the same abilities. So, yeah, they, they would neutralize each other. And then all of a sudden they do a quick switch and everyone's now, you know, change partners and. And, and now it's now it's interesting. So yeah, the second reason I wanted to do it this way rather than you know letting you have lots and lots of powers is because it eliminates people, and we know these people. Maybe they're us, okay? Where they're really just sock puppeting, you know, a, a famous superhero and calling it, you know, the uh, you know Batman. Well, instead of Bat. <laughs> <laughs> what size are you? Batman well sized. Yeah. Yes. Oh no, I remember him. Yeah. Uh, oh. Well, let's see show. the char- the character I had Dark Hawk. No, that was not copied after a known superhero at all. No, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, I was yeah. wondering what you meant here by sock puppeting. Once again, folks, another patented Bruce Shepard outline here on my phone on Facebook in our group. Yeah. Uh okay, sock puppeting. Got it. Okay. 
Yeah, essentially, it's you know, it's you speaking out, you know, playing somebody else, speaking out through the the mouthpiece of of, of another character, and but really, it's just a thin, it's a thinly veiled you know, pseudonym for yeah. an, a, a, another character that you really want to play, but you knew that the GM would never let you do that because you know he's over in Central City, he he can't be here. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways. Um, but, Runs uh, fast. What's his known? What is his hero name? The Spark. All right, get out. What? No, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I'm not Electro. I'm the Spark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It uh, depends. I, I, I personally don't have much problem with that as long as, because that's a, a tried and true, you know, uh, trope within comics. Any, anyways, you know, you have the, you know, DC has Deathstroke, Marvel has Deadpool. Oh yeah. You know, there there's copying all the time across yeah. the the property. So I'm I'm not usually against that. But if I'm running a street level campaign, I don't want Superman in a street level campaign. No, no, no. That's well. I'm not but, talking about the power. I'm talking about the fact that you they come with all this baggage. You know, and I, I'd much rather you play a a a, a, a unique you know a character you create yourself. Okay, then try then testing your ability to correctly translate your knowledge of its of of, of its previous representations in the various media yeah. into my into my game. If you want to create the 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 gadget based super detective vigilante in my world, go right ahead. But let's not just take Batman's backstory and you know smudge off the serial numbers and. <laughs> <laughs> and change some names. Yeah. Little right. call back to J.P. Haley there and what he would say. Yeah. No, I my NPC for this Saturday game is the Silver Spirit. He, he, okay, sort of a Clark Kent backstory. He was an investigative reporter who became basically a very wealthy author because he wrote about the cases he reported, rubbed off serial numbers. Okay, oh, this crime mystery, it's wonderful. Yeah, it's... You know, if you read his stories enough, oh, that was the, the story he wrote, you know, 10 years ago for the paper. And he became wealthy and realized to fight crime. So sort of a Batman-esque character, but with a Superman-esque. So I kind of picked and chose various things to come up with this NPC mentor. And, of course, wealthy, has his own building, has the Doc, Sa the Doc Savage kind of skyscraper where, oh, yeah, the bottom levels are all, you know, public access and oh, there's an apartment store and a restaurant and a bank and all this, and then, like, the top 20 floors are owned by him, and that's the hero base. So, yeah, I kind of... A pastiche is this person. Yeah, he's kind of like Batman, but he has a little bit of Superman background and, and a little bit okay of Doc Savage. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah it, it's... There's nothing wrong with being inspired by right. other there's properties. Right, inspiring and... And then there's ears. copying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, as I said, I had the the... You know, back in my young, stupid, idealistic days, I had Darkhawk, and it was everybody who knew it was a Batman ripoff. Now that I'm older and more jaded, I tend to come up with more original S characters. And notice I did not say anything about the third one. Um, but yeah, it, it's just, and, and even Fur does it. She's flat out copied characters from things that she's seen in my campaign and put in my campaigns. Last Friday night game, she played Uhtred from The Last Kingdom. Big G is from all the, well, 
I'm sitting there looking on a web page with homebrew classes, and someone made, well, a pimp class. And my girlfriend sat across the day and said, I want to play a pimp. I'm like, wait, what? Hold it. <laughs> so we came up with this concept of Big G. And originally, yeah, he was going to be a straight up 70s, you know, the typical black exploitation pimp. Her baby daddy had her watch a lot of these movies. Okay, fine. So I had to sit through Superfly a couple of years ago. But we've now since adapted Big G. Yeah, he is a, air quotes here on audio medium, businessman in 1924 Harlem. But it's still essentially the same character. A lot of the things that this character would have done in the 70s is just back in 1924 in Harlem. And now joining up with the Silver Spirit, Gerald Big, Big G Moore is Black Thunder. So, yeah. And, but no, it's still, it's an idea, but it's not like, yeah, I'm, I'm playing Uhtred and I just worked the whole stuff of the Last Kingdom into whatever game I was running. Or she liked the armor from the Mandalorian. So with because I put both Star Wars and Star Treks on the French path, yeah, okay, you came along with my Termellon NPC. Yeah, you know, no, she actually came up with a relatively original character that we just adapted for this pulp game. But yeah, the whole thing with, um, yeah, th thank you for explaining sock puppeting. Yeah, it just... And we we have all done it, I'm sure. We've come up with ideas. No, this is basically my Batman clone. And you're unashamed of saying it. I'm sure all three of us have done it when we were younger. Just, oh, no, I'm right, playing this right. character. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come yeah. on. It's, you know, we, when, we're, you know, we've all committed sins as young players trying to st keep up with these experienced players we were suddenly thrust in with, you know. So, yeah, sure. But I'm just saying is that, you know, now talking about, you know, but I mean, if, you know, if you know this, you know, then, you know, a GM should, should watch out for it, you know, yeah, try yeah. To, and, and say, Hey, instead of you doing that, let's, let's how about, let's, yeah. Let's well, also, it. I think for all of us in role-playing, it is part of the learning experience. I'm sure that everybody yeah. has done a care, a clone of a character we've seen in a movie and it's very thinly veiled. Unless yeah. you've been under a rock, you know, what type of character this person is playing. Mm -hmm. And it's just part of our learning experience of getting into role-playing. And after a while, we may, well, you know, like Shakespeare said, there's only 12 original ideas. You're still going to come up with something that's been inspired by something. With everything that we're inundated with these days, it's why we have the issues of copyright issues. It's like, oh, no, you you took this this guitar riff from this song. No, the song's been played for 50 years on the radio. We, at the most, it might have been subconscious. Not enough to merit the, oh, no, I've heard plenty of cases in my time on doing my show of, you know, music and stuff like this. And so you're going to have bleed over from other concepts. But in time, we learn to mix and match like I have with the Silver Spirit. A little bit of Superman, Clark Kent, a little bit of Batman, maybe a wee bit of Moon Knight, a little, you know, uh, what other characters? There's another one. I just mentioned that was him. Oh, Doc Savage with the, you know, the skyscraper, the middle of Manhattan that he owns the entire building. So I've picked and chose from various things, but it's not all. And I've thrown at the players like, okay, yeah, you're seeing a bit of this and a bit of this and a bit of this over here. And I've managed to graft it into one harmonious whole, Dale Corrigan, the third, AKA the silver spirit. 
So, yeah, it it's I think it's just part of the learning process of all of us gaming. After a while, you come up with far more original and varied characters. They might have elements of three or four different characters you've seen in your past. And, you know, you've managed to mash them together. Okay, yeah, it works out as a decent backstory. But you can see a little from column A, a little from column B type thing. So, yeah, I do like that that when you do this, getting just one ability, you don't want to just throw in, okay, this is my character. And as I said, unless you've been under a lock, rock the past 40 years, you know exactly what they're trying to play. It's just, uh, okay, yeah. Yeah. But like I said, one of the main reasons why people, you know, do these sorts of things is because they're trying to create a character that doesn't have any uh, vulnerabilities. So, you know, they, they're basically trying to create Superman with all his special powers. And stuff I... like that. The problem with that is, is that that means that you don't need anybody else. You know, you basically are, are hurting the spotlight time for the other players. Yeah. Serving ha- their specialities. I had a player that I've had a player and I have another one now. In my original group, this player had to have the one-shot, one-kill type character. My power is so grandiose and all-encompassing. I'm going to use this term, and we can... um, You are despondent about something, and it is described as a pain in your posterior. And so this person would get that way if they did not one shot one kill automatically and the villain was dead and this one player who passed away some time ago one of my original gamers constantly did that and we just had to sit this person down and just say okay you know what we're not dealing with this anymore you don't swoop in kill the villain on one shot and then you're despondent and acting like a child for the we're done and there was a bit of, you know, hurt feelings there, and he started changing after a while, but that was his motif, and we just finally got tired of it. Because he had to be the one-shot, one-kill. And then we have one in my campaign now, where actually a few of my gamers no longer play with this person, because they make such technically competent and mashed-up characters that, okay, they've already beaten three opponents, and we're left with maybe one or two. Because they just know the rules that well. And so I've had players complain about that. And I've had to talk to this player. So yeah. It just. Yeah. Spotlight time. It, it It's again. We, we It's something here we have on this podcast. Make sure all of your players get to do something. And get their moment to shine. Because if not. It's going to cause resentment in your group. People will leave after a while. Or you may end up having to kick a player out if it gets that bad. That is something that we, and I remember Bruce and I have been saying this for years about spotlight time. And so. It's more important than anything else, frankly. Yeah. It's, you know, because the player is there to have a good time and to be awesome. And if you don't give that player, you know, the ability to do so, then that player rightly should leave and go someplace else where they can be awesome. Yeah, as I said, I'm, is, I'm, ha- I'm having that problem with a player now. I'm going to have to do in-game methods to try to <clears throat> curb this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, yeah, it's 
but yeah, no, with with street level superheroes because they have that singular ability, they're still going to get the time to shine. It's like, oh, this person, like, excuse me, ooh, Dark Gypsy, yes, she has this ability to mess with people's minds and all this, and in different ways. Fine, I allow Jen to sit there with Miss Drina Barrett, and okay, yeah, you've messed with this person's mind. They have penalties now. Okay, Tony the Fist, go in and. You know, look at Jeff and go, yeah, 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 jerky. Go in and rough them up some, you know. You know yeah. <laughs> oh, no, and it's funny because Jeff always played whatever character it is. He has got that light Tennessee draw. Oh, no, Jeff is adopting the whole Italian mafioso mobster mook kind of. Yeah, I tell you what, yeah, I'm going to get my Tommy gun. And, you know, yeah, he, he just. Ugh, yeah. I keep thinking of my cousin Vinny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I've brought up analyzed. Yeah, you, to use you, to yeah, is the term that always comes to my use. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, and he looks at Fred Gwynn. To youths. Yeah. Um, no, it's, let's see, I've done, I've mentioned, analyze this, analyze that. Cousin Vinny. There's a couple other mob movies that, you know, joking around, and I've, I'm telling you, you need to find these movies. If you really want to get into this, just, yeah, just, you know. Yeah, and, Marriage and, of the Mob is probably a really good That was another one, Michelle Pfeiffer, yeah. Because, well, it has everybody. Well, she was in Ray it. Liotta's in it. Yeah. It's got, um, uh, what's his name from uh, uh, Quantum Leap? Uh, Dean Stockwell. Dean Stockwell. Stockwell. Oh, okay, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's just full of people. All trying to do their best, you know, wise guy impression. Yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, so that's really that's really great, you know, and and uh, and 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 making a slight callback to the uh, you know the 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 one power that can be used to you know you could learn to do better more and more things with it. Yeah. You know, I was thinking that Doc Ock has a great power because those tentacles he has. All right, you know he you know he uses them primarily to punch people. Okay. Yeah. You know, like he's punched Spider-Man because he's there's so many of them. Spider-Man has a hard time dodging them all. Okay, but he's got these these grippers on the end, so he can actually grab somebody, lift them up. He can lift really big, heavy objects and carry them along. He can wrap them around Doc Ock and act as like a a, a body armor. Yeah, you know, as a, as a barrier. And okay. of course, he uses them to move. He can sit there and you know out. Pace anybody just walking climb those buildings, yeah, you know, yeah, or swing from places. So I'm just saying, is that this one thing of having these these uh, cybernetic arms, you know, uh, attached to his back, embedded in his body, so yeah. that they can never be removed. Um, they, you know, you know, you start off small, but they can become so much more, you know. And if he wasn't a bad guy, you know, he'd be an awesome superhero. Yeah, yeah, and arguably he's a he's a um, uh, disillusioned superhero, probably. Yeah, you know, because it, it could have gone so much the other way. Unlike uh, you know the the Green Goblin, who's insane. Okay, he uh, he isn't. He just you know, just. You know, one it was just like one last thing went wrong, and he was like, you know, okay, enough of this. <laughs> Nobody's going to thwart me again. You know, OSHA, what's that? You know, do, do I look like I care about OSHA yeah. with these tentacles coming out of his body? 
Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. All right. So. So yeah. All right. We we've done this. We've got the the, the squad of superheroes like that. So what are the downsides of doing that? And because you know every time you make a choice, you know you bring both the benefits and also the disadvantages. So what what are the disadvantages of, of having only one ability per player character? Uh, that you're not going to have enough abilities to cover all situations. So then you have to rely on things like tactics and skills and gear. And for the pulp campaign I'm running, I have the NPC weird science tech person. Um, Bruce, you remember the episode, the mini episode we did years and years and years ago about having pets in games. Yeah. Former girlfriend, Becky, who I introduced as Ramen Girl. Yeah, I bottled it after her because she's all techie and she's a Linux chick and all this. So I have a Dr. Elizabeth Herbert, and she's the one in this pulp campaign. Well, yeah, you know, I have the special clothing that you guys can all wear. And, you know, she fires a gun at, you know, a dummy wearing the book. And the clothing is unharmed, so now they all have bulletproof clothing. And, you know, occasionally they'll have, well, I made this device here. It'll help, you know, alter your clothing and features so you don't, Yard out is who you are, and I, you know, give them the name like a, oh, it's a shadow field device because it hides you. And so, yeah, and so because they don't have things that can change their identities or they don't have things that can do this, I've come up with this NPC who provides tech for the such, you know, keeping their tech numbered for just such an emergency, you know. Right. And, so you, yeah. you, you have a, a way of introducing a temporary advantage that bridges them to, to success yeah 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 and okay. just she i she's the one that they rely on you know if they want to make some type of device i'll just say yeah talk to dr herbert and she'll work something up in the lab that is on you know the 45th floor of the corrigan tower you know but just don't go in between certain hours because that's her r d method and you might get you know splashback you know it won't be pretty you know um yeah, and and of course I've done things like every so often experiment fails and you're seeing smoke rolling out from under her lab door and they're like, okay, we want to go to this woman? Yeah. Eureka, I found it. She's all covered, you know, lab coat covered in soot, you know. Yeah, so, but yeah, the whole thing with because everybody has this singular purpose and idiom to their character, yeah, they can't do everything. So that skills and that includes tactics where Again, like, you know, Dark Gypsy will sit there and mess with a person's mind, and while they're partially incapacitated, El Professor comes up and runs them through because he's too discombobulated to see Z's character coming. So, yeah, it, it's... With skills, I use just tactics and planning and... Gear, yeah, you you usually, and I notice in these street-level teams, you're usually going to have either one of the PCs is good with tech, or with, like, the punnet, I'm trying to remember. I want to say his name was Microchip. The John Bernthal Punisher from Netflix Marvel. He had his, his guy in the chair, and I think his nickname was Microchip. I... I mean, I saw the show, but I don't remember that. I that th- yeah, but but still, you're always in in making a street level superhero campaign. You're either going to have one of the PCs be the tech guy, or the GM will make an NPC techie like I have, Doctor Herbert. 
and they're the one usually supplying with, okay, well, I know your powers and abilities and you're going to need this. So I came up with this device here. Use this. Like, oh, there's the force field in the evil mastermind. Excuse me, evil mastermind's lair. Yeah, this will short it out. Here, use this. You know, so. Yeah, I, I do like that, that, that. Yes, the players can do these amazing things, but they can't do everything. So they have to learn to work together and use the occasional gadget to help them out. And I'm doing that in the game now where. Right. Yeah, where they've had. And, and, and I, that I've can had to have also find be the disadvantage yeah. when you have players who aren't good at doing that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, hopefully not everybody at the table is that way where you have the one guy who will be like, okay. And, you know, you got your five or six people said, okay, you, Joe, your character has to do this. And then you, Jenny, your character has to do this. And then Bob, your character, finish them off because these two soften them up. Yeah, you're going to have that one character, one player who has the character who will take charge. Hopefully. Right. We have heard of exceptions. Yes. But I'm just saying is it where sometimes you have to use your powers creatively you know, and you have people who aren't very good at that, which is, yeah. you know, and, and see, this is why it's important sometimes that they start off as street level and maybe evolve up to the higher level because it gives them time to actually learn how to do that or learn what they can do. Because, you know, when you're, if, if you're trying to save the earth, and you screw it up because you can't think outside the box about something or your head just gets into a space you can't get it out of, okay, that's bad. Okay, yeah. that can really screw up a campaign. Okay, when you're doing street level, even if that happens, usually it's not, you know, it's not do or die. It's, you know, it's a, yeah, the mission was a failure, but, you know, uh, it wasn't quite so. In, in, at the most, okay, the, the local mob boss, you know, now has this neighborhood under his control, too. Yeah. It, you're but not, we're not. We're not having and, and maybe to. some people you care about get hurt, yeah, you know, or even die. All right, but you know you're not talking about like you know wiping, you know, you know scorching the earth or something like that. You know that's it's not like there's a borough now missing in New York. Yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah. You know, like my Bureau Thirteen game where you know I I really wanted them to I I I thought at the end of you know. I don't know, like a year of play that they would understand that the guy that they were bringing back had the ability to destroy the planet and was planning to do that. And they never clued in on it. And so he did. And that was yeah. the end of the campaign. And, you know, it's just like, you know, and they're all looking at me like, e did what you did really you have to do this? And I said, yeah, I, I really did. You know, so, but, um, but I, I had, you know, I had my reasons, you know, uh, but that's well, yeah, and it, it's like you didn't sit there and go, no, I didn't no, I didn't do anything. This was all on you. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, yeah, you didn't want to go that route. No, yet. I don't want to do that because that's no. not fair to them. I mean, the GM yeah. ultimately has all power, you know, but I also didn't want to pull out an XDS Machina, which is what they were asking me. To right. Do. Yeah. And I said, no, it's, uh, you know, and, and I'm not prepared to play the middle thing where half the earth is destroyed <laughs> as a result. Yeah. You know, so, um, the uh, but that's also one reason why our our fringeworthy game is is starting with the early campaign. We were playing the late campaign with all these um, legendary uh, level 
uh, Sam yeah. Rolls characters. And I said, yeah. okay, we really need to bring this back down to where the players can feel more successful. Because, if, it, cause, yeah, if they made mistakes at that level, really bad things could happen. Yeah. You know, and I didn't want to burden them with that kind of, you know, idea that, you know, right. that, that they were doing that. I'd rather them be something where they're doing the best they can. And, and if they do some good, then, yay, we win. You know, it was a, a more, at least a moral victory. Yeah, I think at the most at the early campaign, if you have something bad, okay, we just lock this world off. Yeah, we're, we can't. Yeah, just <laughs> just go through the portal and just hope nothing comes through. Yeah, yeah, we okay. can come back later. <laughs> yeah, when we're a little better at this, you know, or maybe when we know a little bit more. We have some trained diplomats, or right? Yeah, yeah. yeah maybe another team could give a, take a whack at it. If you have players who are not very good at doing this kind of uh, inventiveness with their powers, or they need time to figure that out, okay? But you don't want to, like, sit down and, and you know, have, like, you know, a month worth of, you know, um, uh, session zeros with them and just say, you yeah. know, hey, your character should do this, because then you're the GM telling them how to play their character. Right, yeah, and that does, so, no. You know, instead, you, you give them some relatively simple scenarios that they then can go and say, you know, if we only had someone who could do this, and they go, and someone goes and says, I could do that. Oh, really? How could you do that? Oh, well, I just, you know, shape my my uh, my, my my force ray into a... Uh, you know, in, into a lock and just, you know, by telekinesis, you know, it actually is like a hand and I can change the shape of my finger of my hand into something that's like a key and I can get in there and twist it around. You know? I mean, whatever they decide to do, the way they decide to represent it, 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 it basically defines their powers better. And it also lets them realize that, hey, I could do stuff with the powers that weren't part of the original design, but makes sense because they are still derivative of the original concept for the power. When you have character players who are not terribly inventive, you can you know, give them a little bit more of time to, to, to basically clue into what they can do. Yeah. yeah we, all, we all know people who just basically, you know, they'll write a book about the, about the, 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 the variants of their character's powers. Yeah. <laughs> Oh no, I, I am running technically two superhero campaigns. I got the you know the street level pulp Saturday game with the aforementioned players. Then I'm running it it's sort of cyberpunk superheroes. It's based on the comic book from which I get the name Trav from, the Travelers. So they're like, okay, the Travelers of the Cosmic Level team, these are the ones, yeah, they may jet around the world and all that. It's not street level, but they're still we're like six sessions in and technically it's only been a week and a half. They've known each other because just one thing after another has been happening, building up to some of the big reveals I have in the campaign and they've had to get inventive and learn teamwork and skills and, Oh, I have this device. Okay. I can use this. And yeah. So, I mean, this does help in other superhero power levels, but with street levels, especially so, where you have to learn on skills and tactics and interconnectedness of how you all fight and the occasional gadget or whatever, because in this Thursday game, yeah, they're mid-level power. It's nothing really earth-shattering except the one aforementioned character I have to keep trying to tell, no, let other people have spotlight. And so I'm having to 
their their date had their powers have just come out a lot of them so it's like they've gained a couple levels already and they're learning okay i am branching out from these base powers because we have someone who can control weather and you know elements like can move earth around oh now i can do this and now because i can create this bubble of you know survival around me I want to learn to swim really fast and all this. Yeah, they're branching on their powers, but it's a it's not street level. It's more, what's the term? Your typical superhero. Four color. There are still principles that you want to use in a four color super camp, superhero campaign, but they are much more required, I guess would be the term, in a street level campaign to keep it at that street level you know, power scenario as well as engender them using their powers interconnectedly to take out a much bigger foe. Like, oh yeah, we got five superheroes and we've got like, you know, 20 guys with um, Tommy guns. Okay, we need to learn to use tactics to soften these guys up so they don't, you know, wipe us out in a hail of bullet fire. And again, it's, you know, the dark gypsy messing with the mind and El Professor, El Professor coming behind and running them through. Meanwhile, Big G and Knuckles are there gunning them down and Diamond Lil is helping, you know, get people out. Yeah, so the the interconnectedness of using those powers to achieve a greater end is essential in... But it is also a disadvantage because you only have these characters with these limited powers. And that that's the thing that'd be uh, my big concern is if you get if you have these players that kind of get that tunnel vision and they get used to this one power and using it in just this one way because it happens to work nine nine out of ten times, but then they hit that one in ten times with that power just will not work it is just not the situation and they are having trouble coming up with an a, 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 a variation on it that can maybe help and they get frustrated at the most i might do okay do a tactics check okay you could try this but that's after they exhaust all of their internal options coming up then i will do the okay make a tactics mm. check or make a psionics yeah. check if it's a, a psychic power or if it's something magical, make an arcana check. And then, okay, it's like, well, you could try this. And often my plan is what I'm doing with superhero campaigns and even with the street level one. You might get, okay, in this scenario, you might use this new power this way once. You wanted to use it again, you're going to get it through feats or talents or what have you. But I'll give you this one shot to use it here to Okay, I'm going to use my electricity to... Yeah, I'm just blasting holes in the walls. Okay, I'm going to use it now to this one time to... Let's say I disrupt electrical equipment where it's out of commission for, you know, 1d6 hours. Or until it's repaired. Okay, you want to do it again after this particular scenario. You need to buy the feat that will allow you to do... Let's let's call it a power stunt which they use in the D20 uh, Blood and Vigilance by RPG Objects. You have power stunts. And usually I'll say, okay, you'll get one shot to do it now, and it's, it's, okay, it's the convention of your character 
gaining new abilities in the course of combat, that would be the way to do it is if you want them to expand the powers, give them the one shot as, you know, it's that, it's that dealer term. First, first time's always free. You want to use it again, you're going to pay for it. You're going to use a feat slot or a talent slot, or, you know, you're going to have to wait until a certain level where you can do it again. You did it the one time, but you can't get it perfected again yet. You did it because it was the heat of combat. You just lashed out and, Oh, yeah, I managed to short out the entire electrical system and all the lights are out. We managed to escape. Yeah. F fresh from fresh with adrenaline and inspiration, you managed to pull it off once. Yeah, once. But no, I, I make them pay for it with a, okay, no, you're going to spend me because you know me, I do OGL and usually feats are done with, oh, it's a power feat and just, yeah. So it's. Okay, yeah, no, you want to use it again, you're you're buying the power. And I've seen it because I got a lot of super again, brute folders and then folders. Um, it's the whole and I've seen different rules do it in different ways. It's a power stunner. Either way, you usually have to spend a feat. And so it's like, okay, first time's free, next time you're you're it it's a feat. And then you can use as many times as you want, barring number of times per day or PowerPoints or what have you. But that first time I'll let you use it, and it's the, it gives the player also that, ooh, I can do new and exciting things with this power that I thought was just, I shoot an electrical blast and I burn a hole in the wall or in a person. Ooh, I can use it to short out electrical systems or like in a modern day campaign. Ooh, I can use this to read the internet like uh, the aforementioned Alpha series, Gary. Yeah, he was sort of medium functioning autistic. And I'm not sure that the whole functioning scale is a proper term these days, but I'm using it to convey a point. Um, he could sit there and just do sort of hand motions, and he's reading on people's emails and texts and phones. And throughout the series, I think he learned to do other things with basically this kind of cyberkinesis kind of power. And it would be, okay, you want to use it again? You use it the one time, next time, next level. You get the feet. You can now do it all the time because off camera, you've practiced enough to perfect power. You're not doing it due to the heat of adrenaline. You're doing it now because, okay, it's just, it, it's like breathing now. You've practiced over the last few days and you think you've got it. So, yeah. Well, that kind of reminds me of um, during one of my Bureau 13 campaigns a long time ago, I had, um, I think I mentioned this character before, but she was, Basically, she was tied into the Akashic Record, you know, the, the memory of everything that has thought. Oh, there's a hell of a superpower for you. Yeah, the way it manifested, the way it manifested with her is she gained the psychic ability of, you know, post-cognition. She could read the past because she she could look into the Akashic Record and see exactly what had happened in the past. And uh, and then the. The advancement of that power was also she had precognition because the Akashic Record existed outside of time and space. So she could see what would happen, or at least was most likely to happen. And then another progression of that is telepathy. Everything it thinks is leaving its record in the, in the Akashic Record so she could read what they were thinking right now. Oh, right. no, there is a... There is a um... 
and and they've kind of cycled out of this because they're you know with the upgrade from 303 5d20 modern to pathfinder they've changed different things but when scorched earth records they had a psychic precursor fee called akashatic sense or akashatic record where yeah you're tapping into the akashic record and you're doing things like, oh, every time you do it or every time you take the feat, you get like a bonus to your armor class or a bonus to a skill or, or you can copy a feat for a couple rounds. And it's sort of like that because all you're, you're tapping into the Akashic record and going, yeah, I'm learning how to do this because I'm tapping into the, the, the universal consciousness of everything that was, is, will be. Yeah, yeah, I get, yeah. Yeah. They're kind of doing that in... Do it in fifth edition D and D now with uh, one of the latest uh, revisions to the Elven uh, race is that they they have their own version of that where they can you know when they take a long rest they can look back on their previous lives and just pull, you know gain proficiency in one skill of their choice. Yeah, yeah. The the aforementioned Scorched Earth Records or little bit Scorched Earth Studios. They have a feat now in their one book. It's kind of like modern feats, modern future feats called uh, High Tech Heroes, and it's reincarnate. You can tap into past lives, so that's sort of the Akashic Record kind of thing. And so you get bonuses to skills and you might be able to copy a feat. You might get bonuses to armor class because, oh, I'm tapping into one of my ancestors' lives and he was a general back in the day. And, you know, yeah. Oh, no, that would be a cool power because you could really just branch out with that. Yeah, you could really do some, you know, that's like the AI who knows all the things and, you, you know, like root and God mode in Person of Interest where she knew why Fusco was named Lionel. Oh, because your father liked the lion at the New York, at the Bronx Zoo, and the lion's name was Lionel, and just Fusco is there, just stunned. Yeah, no, no, Inf- information is power, and if you got the Akashic record, you might as well be a god. Yes. Well, yeah, because then you've also got remote viewing. I mean, you've got anything a good a good half of the the stereotypical psychic powers could easily be pulled and e- explained away as you know connection to the akashic records or the universal memory or whatever you want to call it second world source book sort of an akashic record thing where yeah you're reading into it's one of the pact gate powers and it's called the cognate architecture and you have the ability to make research roles. Oh, you look, you close your eyes, and you're seeing nothing but flashing motes of light all over like it's stars in a blue star field. Yeah, that's the Akashic record. They call it the cognate architecture. But yeah, it, 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 it rub off the serial numbers. And they do that where you can sit there and pull information just like, yeah, but because there's so much, you might take a, a minus to a skill. But it allows you to make like two or three knowledge checks. and. Yeah, you can sit there and find out all sorts of information. You might make take a minus two because, yeah, some of the stuff, the information you get might be from an alien world or an alternate timeline. But you'll still get a relatively decent amount of information. So, yeah. Oh, no, no. I Oh, that's, oh, I could have fun with that. Thank you, sir. Anyways, next point on the, yeah. <laughs> 
But yeah, that's that's an example of you could have that's that's an example of a power that you could easily branch out of and come up with new variations of as you go along. But you can have it. Yeah, you're starting off at a street level campaign with somebody who can read objects and just see what happened in the past. And it's just as they. Yeah. But as as the game progresses, if you want to take them out of the street level, all they got to do is learn some new powers and learn how to access that. New new wings of the library, right? Because once you know, once you realize that uh, if you can access the acoustic record uh, a microsecond after something occurred, then you essentially can see everywhere. You know, you can you know anything that anybody said anywhere you can hear. You start. You, yeah. you you have like you know, well maybe limited to your own mind, but you have essentially mm-hmm. yeah. you know glow you know infinite capability of 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 um, as you say far seeing or whatever, you know. So and the, you you're the ultimate spy. Our final thing we wanted to talk about is just you know uh, talk about the different superhero systems that are out there. You know, not nothing that we really talk about other than of course our own little. Um, you know, uh, references, you know, examples, you know, really are based upon any of these systems. You know, there's all systems have advantages and disadvantages, and a lot of them have to do with how they were originally envisioned, you know, and what was known at the time, you know, in in creating them. A lot of these evolved over time. So, uh, you know, but uh, every system is, you know, has pluses and minuses. Some are more crunchy, some are... Uh, you know, more uh, cinematic. Some are just simply easier to do because they're not as complicated. Um, you know, it's it just it, it varies a lot. Okay, and I I don't really uh, uh, know all these systems that I wrote down here, but I just thought we'd go through to say that hey, there's a lot of them, and you know, before you start a super game, you probably should go and see whether or not they suit you. You know, suit what how you want to run the game, and and whether yeah, the GM yeah. will it, it feels confident of of using it. You know, because I have I have a couple too. Um, as far and they're both just variations in OGL. I'll add them in as needed. But no, Bruce, there's a few here I've never heard of, and I've only been gaming ten years less than you. Right. Wow. Well, uh, there's a whole bunch of them that happened in the last year, you know, like you know, my superhero life. I didn't even know about it until I, I read this article about, you know, and, and it was the, this guy saying, well, these are the ones I like, but they were just the ones he just looked at. But uh, we have a list here about like 40. So the first one on the list is is Hero, uh, which originally was released as Champions, which uh, yes, the hero uh, is system, probably yes. if you wanted to you do chapter and verse on powers this is the one because essentially it, it it has pluses, you know, plus adders, minus adders to say how many if you're trying to balance somebody's powers versus somebody else's powers. You know, yep. then this is one of the best ways of doing it. However, it is super crunch. I mean, you know, oh, no, you got to be a math whiz. Yeah, no. Or um, you got to have one of those yeah. spreadsheets because I, you know, when I did the four color one, I used their online, you know, uh, uh, license. Or, or whatever to do it. You know, I mean, I basically, used, uh, you know, I was doing fifth edition and I just basically bought it and I actually have it, you know, but it won't, I can't, I can, 
you know, it's kind of funny. I mean, I can take it and copy it off of backups and it'll work just fine, but I can't install it because I don't have a license to it anymore. You see? Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so oh, no, no. Champions, you yeah. Your original uh, uh, directory, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, to someplace you might be able to run it. But the point is that there's, there's a, a, a lot of these games uh, have online character generators. And I highly recommend that you use them because, you know, in, in the real world, if you get 90% to whatever your goal is using some tool, it's a win. Okay. Then you have to yes. spend big money to bridge the last 10%. You know, that's how yeah. things are in business. So, and you should be perfectly happy to do that, you know, in a role-playing situation, you know? So, but so that that was I put that at the top of the list only because it has really huge crunch to it, you know. But it also gives you the probably the most po ability to to slice and dice, you know. Oh no, no, no! I I cut my teeth on champions. That was one of the 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 big things that my original gaming group thirty years ago did, and we didn't need an online generated character generation. We had Gerald P. Gentry. His math skills were where he made the optimal characters for us. And it wasn't, what was it in Champions? They talked about Nova Man. Yes, he can do a 90 D6, you know, killing attack energy blast, but he's doing it from his ICU bed in a hospital because he has so many disadvantages. No, Jerry right. could stack the numbers where you had a reasonably powerful character based on the concept that you told him. The math was tight. Everything was good, and if we all made our characters, usually his character was the one. And of course, we had people wanting oh, or what? Our dear friend George, you have an unfair advantage. No, Jerry's better at math than you, George. Sit down and shut up. Yeah, and just so we had that. And there are a lot of people. I as much as I want to get a Champions campaign going again, my my players know D twenty so well. It's like oh, I got to teach all of you. The, Right. Well, there's okay. Fine. Here's the PDF. Which basically leverages your D20 skills. Yeah, because um, it is I, D20 based. I, I, I. Okay. <clears throat> I have actually looked, and I have all three editions. Okay. I actually use for my superhero games, and as much as you all know, I am, I am a D20. <clears throat> W-H-O-R-E. You all know the word. I'm not, uh, we won't say it, but you know what I spell. Fanboy. Just fanboy. There are two superhero mechanics I use, which are actually, I prefer to mutants and masterminds. And that would be the powered hero and Psywatch stuff from Scorch Earth Studios. And actually the Trinity Universe D20 books. The old adventure aberrant and Trinity games that used to be storyteller and white wolf put them into D 20. Mm -hmm. Now the kicker is okay, but why that it, it's easier to use. I've just looked at mutants and masterminds and it's like, okay, that's a little too busy. It's just Trinity. It's okay. Moderate crunch. Yeah. That's why I wrote it down. Yeah. It, it just, it's a matter of preference. I looked at mutants and masterminds. I just went, I'm not. Yeah. It's, it, if it doesn't catch me right away, the mechanic, I just, and yeah, so Trinity Universe, so again, it's the White Wolf Books Adventure, where it's Pulp, which I use for the, the Saturday game. 
aberrant, which is the modern-day superheroes, and then Trinity, which is the more far-future side. And then Powered Hero Evolution from Scorched Earth Studios, that also... Decent powers, nothing earth-shattering. You can do four-color superheroes with this. And those are the ones I actually use for D20. I do not belittle Mutants and Masterminds or the work of Mr. Steve Kenson at all. I've seen his work. He's a fantastic designer. Personally, I'd like to meet him. But just for me, those that I mentioned work for D20. Why MMV? Your mileage may vary. Just that's a personal thing with me. But Mutants and Masterminds, I do not belittle its longevity or the fact that it has made it to a third edition. So, yeah, I can see why you put this at number two on the list. It is very highly recommended. It's just, for me, it's a matter of personal preference. So, but, oh, Villains and Vigilantes. Oh, back in the day, I've played this. I do believe that the third edition of it is now called Living Legends. Um, right. What was, what some... was the, the trick about um, uh, Villains and Vigilantes? Do you remember? Oh, God. Um Actually, you rolled for powers, and I didn't like that. And you just say, okay, you roll. No, I choose. And uh, they were based not a lot on of yourself. S- yeah, kind of. You basically yeah, statted yeah. yourself, and then you gave yourself superpowers. But that's not the third edition that's out now. I'm saying that was how it was originally. So it was it was trying to make it a little easier for people who never role played superheroes to role play them. Like Play you yourself just, with superpowers, yeah. Exactly. And, and exactly. Yeah. yeah. It, it was a good gateway game for superhero games and for role playing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Now I'm not saying they stayed there. They kept on. They kept on moving. So, yeah. Does anybody have any uh, any experience with powers and paragons? I know of the paragons uh, campaign model for mutants and masterminds like the, the, the um yeah but powers no, this and is paragons, actually a no. game it's actually a game it's like like masks are a game if anybody has had experience with any of these let us know okay worlds in peril no okay. no I, I added necessary evil i don't really i don't really know the system itself but necessary evil is fun is primary its primary attraction is you're playing super villains who are trying to stop an alien invasion by working together, you know, because all the superheroes got killed. They went off and tried to, you know, tried to stop the aliens and got killed. And so now it's all that's left of the supervillains who will stop at nothing. You know, they don't have the limitations of the super, the four color superheroes. And of, uh, like ethics and morals, they'll do the stuff that, that, that needs to be done. Yes. And they're willing Ooh. to sacrifice each other. In order to well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Collateral damage is just a phrase. No honor among thieves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, the ultimate game is, of course, to chase the the aliens away so they can get back to the business of taking over the planet and exploiting it. Yeah. No, 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 no. Here's the thing. You're not going to destroy the world. That's my job. I'm taking you out so I get to destroy it. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. Um, Nobody destroys no, ooh, this world but me. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. But oh no, that's that's different. That oh, that's a future campaign idea. Yeah, because I don't have enough campaign ideas now. Right, um, hearts and souls. I've heard of it. Yeah, I've seen it in passing. I don't know anything about it though. I just remember seeing it. Yeah. Now, Bash is an, an acronym. It means like basic action superheroes. 
I've heard of that one too. Yes. Yeah, and I have a feeling that that one's probably pretty easy to to do because it's I mean it's, it's obviously designed to be a very basic thing, so it's good. Yeah, it's a good entry I, point for inexperienced GMs and players to play superhero type characters. Oh, kind of like Icons, which is a non-D20 system. I managed to get some PDFs. Yeah, I've, Icons is another one that's, you know, the typical four super four the four color superheroes entry level for players. Yeah, that's another one. Okay. Save the day. Yeah. Again, it's, this, is a, this is a this is a this is a relatively new one. It was in that list by that guy. You know, my superhero life, same thing. Spectaculars. Uh, these are all, you know, relatively new ones. Now, DC Heroes is uh, was basically DC's the response old, to Marvel superheroes. DC Heroes by Mayfair Games, Marvel superheroes from TSR. Yep. Yeah. Oh no, I've, I've, yes, both of them, I am familiar with, gentlemen. Yes. yes. And I, I remember playing the TSR Marvel superheroes, and now the Marvel uh, license is owned by Cortex. Okay. Oh no, there's another one. There's another one. It's the Marvel Marvel Multiverse game and I want to say it's I have the playtest edition. Yeah. Oh god, what's his name? This guy, he's now known only a designer and uh, Matt Forbeck has put out and it's called the D616 system. After Earth 616, the Marvel main universe. And so yeah, they Marvel is back in the role playing game and they're taking into account the whole thing with okay, you got the MCU and they're doing the multiverse thing, and okay, and we're doing this where you it's a multiverse variant of the MCU, the MCU or comic universe. And so, yeah, I've looked it over, I've not had a chance to play it. I managed to snag it a year ago, and it's just the playtest edition. Which means they give you information for this Marvel 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 Multiverse RPG. Okay. To go to a site and say, "Okay, we've played this, we've done this, Matt, and you and your people need to fix this particular rule." So, but it's full. It's it's a full color. You know, it's paperback. It's maybe eight and a half by eleven, maybe 150, 175 pages. But they've got stats for all the big heroes, Captain Marvel, Spider-Man, Captain America, the X-Men. And it's this D616 system. But mm -hmm. the Marvel superheroes, they have come up with a new, and they call it Phase Rip. F-A-S-E-R-I-P. Fighting agility, strength, endurance, reason, intuition, psyche. The same seven stats they use for the old Marvel superheroes game. Phase Rip. That's the name of a new game using that same system, I guess. Whoever put it out, I forget who. And Bruce and I, you you and I talked about it, you said you were never fond of that old Marvel Superheroes game. Well, the problem I had with it initially was is that there was no character generation system. They they basically thought that everybody wanted to buy this game so they could play their favorite comic superheroes in their own adventures that they would design mm -hmm, yeah. that they, oh, uh, that they I, we made up our own characters in the system that was well that that was later but i mean initially the, there was no character oh. generator you basically came in you picked from a, a list of characters and their abilities okay so okay you All had right. this chart so each of the abilities were ranked according to a verbal descriptor so you had awesome feeble incredible, poor, 
typical, excellent, amazing. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. So, uh, and so, and then you had this chart that was very, you know, D and D ish, where if you had like an um, an amazing defense versus a remarkable attack, then it would tell you what the result was, you know. And you yeah. know, a lot of times it would be like they're slowed or they're they lose a round or. Oh no! Know, I remember the various colors and everything. I've got the Marvel and DC books in my room. I remember that chart. Right, yes. Right. <laughs> So this this was an attempt to essentially, uh, you know, make a simple system that could encompass, you know, the these really powerful characters. You know, you that, could play a street level campaign with Marvel, or you could do secret. They had the Marvel Secret Wars module. They had Murder World with Arcade. Oh no, I've got all. Yeah, they're there. Yeah, I, I DC and Marvel, those two, I remember quite fondly. Right. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.